Hi friends, I know that it's been a while since we last produced our podcast, but we all know the situation that we are in right now. It was very difficult for us to invite guests to our studio. We didn't want to give you just a half-baked work where we interview guests through the phone. The sound is not that good. But now we are back. The restrictions are lifting up and we're able now to take guests into our studio. And there are so many stories that are exciting that are coming up. Like one we're going to be sharing today. Uh, I was visiting with my wife and uh, not watching as close as I should have. And I mm -hmm. glanced, there was a corner sign that uh, said 25 and I thought it said 45. And so I took it at about 50 or 55. And the car was front wheel drive and it pulled the corner okay. Mm -hmm but the back end broke loose and then it rolled right on the highway. Uh -huh. And it, it bounced off the corner right above my head. Have you ever felt like your life is just full of trials and tribulations, one situation after the other? And it seems like each time you're done with something else, another thing comes up. You're not alone. Or sometimes you might be thinking, why does God allow all these things to happen in my life? Today's show, we're going to be talking with Robert Hess. Robert Hess had incredible experiences in his life. There's so many things that you would think they were negative things, but the way he took them the way he looked at them, the way he saw trials, the way he saw God's hand helping him in different situations. I'm hoping that that same view and that same lens will be able to help you to see all the things that you go through each and every day. I am Michael Xarona, and you're listening to Why I Am Here a show that shares the incredible stories of our guests and how they can inspire you to have a closer walk with God. I'm Bob Hess. I'm a retired pastor. I pastored for a little over 40 years, about 41-something. I retired from upstate New York. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a large family. We have... Uh, eight kids and 28 grandkids and so we have lots of experiences <laughs> <laughs> I can see yeah it's got a big family so uh, take us uh, through your upbringing where did you grow up and um, what are some of the experiences that you had when you were growing up well I was born in Oregon mm -hmm. and uh, what set up the story that I'm going to tell is my parents were down in Los Angeles and my dad had become an Adventist um, had not read much from the Spirit of Prophecy. Okay. And so he decided if she was a prophet, maybe we better read. And so the first book that somebody gave him was Country Living. Mm. And so they sold out Malay and went up to Oregon and bought almost 60 acres. And uh, they sold off the log house on the corner and built a shop. Uh, when I was in that workshop we were living in, uh -huh. that when I was a year old, I had whooping cough and pneumonia at the same time, and they didn't expect me to live. Hmm. So my parents dedicated me to the Lord. 
This was a dedication, child dedication. Yeah, they did it themselves. Oh, they did it themselves. They, they prayed and dedicated me to the Lord. Mm-hmm. I survived it. So the Lord brought me through it in spite of what the doctors thought. Oh, praise the Lord. I grew up there on the 50-some acres. Mm-hmm. We had, It was half wooded and half um, cleared. We had horses and cows and chickens, and we grew a lot of uh, produce and sold it. My dad had gotten a job. He had been a, a faller. He was a roofer in L.A., and went, when he went to Oregon, he became a faller. He started a sawmill with another Adventist fella, mm-hmm. and his partner cut his fingers off of one hand in the resaw. And so he lost his partner, and he couldn't get another Adventist to go in with him. They had moved into the shop and were going to build a house. Mm-hmm. And so the guy who had the mortgages took the other guy's house, took the mill, and came after our place. And so my dad went through bankruptcy to stop him. And so the house never got built, and we lived in the oh. workshop. Hmm. And that's where I got pneumonia when I was a year old. And the bare cement floor, block walls, no insulation. Hmm. And at, at, a, <coughs> at a pretty young age, it's not a good experience as well. Right. You were telling us that God sailed you through. It was a miracle to see you uh, leaving and... <coughs> getting over the pneumonia. So that experience, how much of a big impact did it make in your life and in your parents' life? Well, my dad was was one of the elders in the small church mm-hmm. where we were. He preached frequently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and the other elder would trade off. It was a small church in a district with uh, Eugene, which is at a big church. Mm-hmm. And so a pastor would come out maybe a couple times a year. So the elders took care of the services uh, the rest of the time. So my dad was was spiritually minded and involved. Well, I, I grew up there, and then till I was about twelve, and then my parents moved to Pacific Union College, mm-hmm. and I grew up the rest of the time there, from seventh grade on through college. When I was in academy, mm-hmm. when I finished academy. Um, in 1965, the Vietnam War was going crazy. That's right. And there were a lot of young fellows that were taking taking the ministry so that they wouldn't have to go to Vietnam because then they had a 4D, was called a theological deferment. Oh, so if you had the 4D, you wouldn't be drafted. drafted. Right. And you'd pursue your theology program. And those who were pastors... We're not, we're, we're not supposed to be drafted as well. Right. So that was the theological deferment. And pastors and theological students were not drafted. Hmm. There were a lot of fellows decided that they would go into the ministry so they wouldn't have to go to Vietnam. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the wrong reason of getting yeah. into ministry. <laughs> and, and then they would change their major and take something else, but they had the 4D. Hmm. And so... The draft boards figured out what was going on, and they just right. basically quit giving the 4D. Hmm. And so when I turned 18, I had to register for the draft. And the, the 4D was already canceled? Right. Okay. Basically. So I went to—well, I was told that the only way I could keep from carrying a rifle mm-hmm. as a non-combatant that I needed special help getting the papers filled out. 
So I went to the... Like as a conscientious objector. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I went to the registrar at the college, which I was told was the only one on campus that knew how to fill out the forms. Mm -hmm. So I went to see him, and he was on vacation and wouldn't be back till my papers were due. Mm -hmm. So I went, sat in the car, and I was very stressed at first. And so finally it came to me, this isn't your problem, this is the Lord's problem. That's right. If the Lord wants you in the ministry, which I felt convicted I should be. but Also, you had uh, felt the call to ministry, and you were not like all other people who wanted to get right. into ministry as an excuse for not going to right. to the Vietnam. You had yeah. the passion, and you felt that God was calling you to ministry. I felt that he was calling me to ministry as I grew up. Uh-huh. I had always had a big prayer list, and and people would tell my parents that I should be a minister. So I had that kind of in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. But my guidance counselor said that I shouldn't be a pastor or a teacher. Why? My highest score was on special relationships, how things fit together. Mm-hmm. And he thought I should be a carpenter or something like that. But mm-hmm. I was known as a quiet, shy Hess kid around Angwin. And being a pastor and a teacher is, is a field that requires you to engage and uh, right. not to be a shy person. And so I didn't want to be up front. When I was in junior year in academy, the student senate asked me to run for SA president. How did that go? <laughs> <laughs> well, the class period before I had to get up to give my campaign speech, <laughs> I was so nervous. I realized my heart was really going, so I took my pulse, and it was 120. Whoa. And I was just sitting in class. <laughs> <laughs> Before you even got up. Yes. Wow. That's that's how I was about getting up front. Hmm. And when I got up to give the speech, uh, I was so nervous that my hands were jumping up and down on the podium. Oh, my. <laughs> and I had to hold on to the podium to keep him from jumping up and down. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't fall. <laughs> so, and actually in um, seventh grade, I was supposed to give a speech mm-hmm. and for class, and I had a, a note card, and I had an object to show, and I was ready, and when the teacher called my name, I just kind of panicked, and I said no, and took a zero, and I crumpled up my notes. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, wow. Yeah, this experience um, reminds me of Moses yeah. giving, <laughs> giving a reason why he didn't want to go and be the leader for the children of Israel, because he started. He, he felt like he was in, inadequate. Yeah. So as I'm seeing, as I'm hearing what you're saying, coming from a background where you felt that you were not capable of uh, public speaking and engaging and being a pastor and a teacher, you kept that desire. Yeah, it was like, um, leave me alone, Lord, but (laughs) 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 that's not what I want to do. But um, probably if I could have done, well, really what I had in mind doing Mm -hmm. was being a forest ranger or something out, out in the woods. Okay. Um, not public speaking and not public being up speaking. front. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So now you are getting or at the verge of being drafted 
and uh, the only option that you have is being a conscientious objector. So what happened? So I took the conscientious objector form, uh-huh. I took the student deferment, and I took the theological deferment papers. I took mm-hmm. all three of them. And I sat in the car and I said, okay, Lord, this is your problem. If you want me in the ministry, you get me that 4D that they've basically quit giving. Right. And so I filled out the forms and sent them in, and it came back with the 4D. Some of my classmates got the student deferment, Mm -hmm. and every year they got their summons, and they'd have to go in and take their physical, and they'd reapply for their student deferment and get by for another year. But mine was with no time limit. I had the deferral. Really? So I said, okay, Lord. <laughs> you, and, must be, you must be up to something. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I didn't want to take a submarine ride like Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I registered at the college for, the, for theology. Mm-hmm. And my junior year, I had to give a, a sermon in class. We had to give a 10-minute sermon. Mm-hmm. And I was so nervous, so petrified, that I stood there like a statue. The words came out, but I just stood there like a statue. <laughs> you didn't move. You didn't. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And they they had their grading sheets there. Mm-hmm. And they, out of kindness, they gave me a C-. minus. <laughs> you know, that wasn't off to a good start. <laughs> right, 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 right. From the human viewpoint. Yeah, but I love the fact that if God is calling you to do something, God will sail you through. Yeah. Even though you might see yourself or even though you might feel like you don't have the ability and the capability to be able to accomplish that. But if God is leading you to fulfill a certain role or to do uh, something in ministry, he'll be there for you to open yeah. doors and... To make it happen. He enables those that he calls. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. So you you ended up graduating. Yes. And I got a call. I was was not uh, thrilled about school. Mm -hmm. So I got a call direct from college to pastor in Iowa. Mm -hmm. And so I went to Iowa and spent four years there pastoring. But as I kept reading the Spirit of Prophecy, she talked about the importance of getting the best training that we can. So, uh, again, I said, okay, Lord. Mm-hmm. And I came to the seminary and took a leave from Iowa, came to the seminary. And then when I finished seminary, I got a call to Northern California, went out out there. Since I'd done four years of internship, but I hadn't been ordained, mm-hmm. um, they gave me a couple more years of internship. About partway through the second year, Uh the president asked uh, my senior pastor, and the pastor said, ordain him. He knows what he's doing. Hmm. Uh, So they ordained me, and the first district on my own was up in Mount Shasta and Wairika, up Highway 5, going in almost to Oregon. But before you were called um, to Northern California... This is the area that you had uh, lived before. You lived before in yes. Northern California. Right. So I grew up in Northern California you, you at PUC. Up, you grew yeah. up in Northern California. Right. So it wasn't a, a hard transition to get back no. to, to the area that you were familiar with. That's really where I wanted to go anyway. 
<laughs> I wish it was like that in all <laughs> situations and cases <laughs> that you get called where you want to go. <laughs> Most of the cases in ministry, God calls you to a different place, sometimes yeah. where you don't want to go. <laughs> well, that was my last call from California to upstate New York. Okay. I didn't want to go to New York. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's right. Now, <laughs> you have one experience that is like that. <laughs> I, I told the Lord, well, I had somebody tell me that they needed me in New York, and I said, I don't want to go to New York. <laughs> and they said, why not? And I said, I'll go anywhere the Lord wants me to go, even if it's Siberia. <laughs> oh, my. But not New York. And I said, if he wants me to go to New York, he's going to have to make it real clear. (laughs) (laughs) And he made it clear. He did. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Anyway, then back in Uh northern, Mm -hmm. we were in Mount Shasta, living in Mount Shasta, and we had Maranatha Building come and help us build. Mm -hmm. And we built about a 10,000-square-foot complex for school and church and Mm -hmm. so on, and— They left before we were finished, and so we were still on temporary power. Oh, so you had to complete the the project. Yes, and I put in a lot of time Mm -hmm. uh, on that building project. And How big was your church? It was about 10,000 square feet. Okay. Of two uh, school rooms and a bunch of Sabbath school rooms and then a gymnasium Hmm. in the middle. That's a good size. Yeah, so... When they left, the drywall wasn't all on. When they put the mud on the tape and so on, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was quite a job to send that down. <laughs> wow. They were inexperienced, and they put on a lot of mud. We had oh a my. lot of sanding. Oh, my. <laughs> but um, when we were ready to put the uh, permanent power into the building, mm-hmm. they got a ditch witch, a trencher, and I started out at the building where we were going to put the power and started trenching out towards the the big green utility box. And, and so I trenched out most of the way, and then I got close to it, and I turned the trencher around, mm-hmm. and I backed away what I figured would be safe distance from where the temporary cable went down and up to the temporary power pole and started trenching and I went a little ways and all of a sudden I, the trencher choked down and quit hmm. and I looked down to see if I'd caught what a big root or, yeah. Yeah, or what mm-hmm. the problem was there was a wire as big as my thumb sticking out of the ground you, you had uh, cut it I had cut into the power line hmm. and it was I don't know how many volts went to the temporary power line, but the the line that we came that came to the big box was 8,400 volts. There was a good sh- amount of power that went from there to the temporary because it was running all the construction for right, right, 10,000 right. square foot building. Yeah, that's high voltage. And there was no indication above ground that there was any power. Mm-hmm. And I had trenched through mud puddles and so on, so I was wet to my knees. Hmm. My shoes were soaked, and I was wet up to my knees. So I shut the project down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I cut the power off. And So, so that, at, this, at this moment, you now realized you saw that this is the right. power mm-hmm. cable that you hit, and you, you went to shut everything down. No. 
I cut through the cables. Oh. <laughs> and that really? shut everything down. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. I thought you saw that you'd cut the cable and then you got off the trencher and then you went and shut everything down. No, it was a walk behind trencher. Oh, it was a, it was a walk behind trencher. And so I, <clears throat> I saw the wire sticking up. So I raised the boom up out of the trench mm-hmm. and took the trencher away. And they called the power company to come out and repair it. And when the lineman got it all dug up and saw what had happened, he said, "What? Ha- what how bad was the guy hurt that did this? And I was off running other errands. I hadn't been hurt at all. And one of the church members was also a lineman. He'd retired. Uh-huh. And he looked at it, and he walked away just shaking his head. I, wow. I could have been electrocuted. Wow. And God had his hand over me again. Yeah. Wow. That that was a miracle. Yeah. Wow. Praise the Lord. And that so. was high voltage, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were all puzzled, these electric guys. And yeah. they're saying, with all this high voltage and you using the trencher, and you're wet, too. Mm-hmm. You could have just died there. Yeah. You could have could just have been electrocuted. Yeah. You could have just become ash. <laughs> <laughs> A crispy critter. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Wow. God has uh has protected you. So what I'm seeing um during the course of your life, I'm seeing how God's hand was upon you. At first you right. were young, you were little, and God uh led you or sailed you through pneumonia. Mm-hmm. And then later on, with the drafting, God uh, directed your path so that you didn't have to go to Vietnam. And now, with this electricity, you could have died uh, yeah. right there and there, and God's hand was upon you as well. Do right. you have another experience that you saw God's hand? Yeah, uh, we were still in Mount Shasta, mm-hmm. and uh, we'd been out to a school board meeting for Wairika, and it was... Early in the morning, actually, 12, 31 o'clock, we were driving mm-hmm. home over a mountain pass, and we got down on the other side into the flat. Uh, I was visiting with my wife and uh, not watching as close as I should have, and I mm-hmm. glanced. There was a corner sign that uh, said 25, and I thought it said 45, and so I took it at about 50 or 55, and the car was front-wheel drive, and it pulled the corner okay, mm-hmm. but the back end broke loose, and then it rolled right on the highway. Uh-huh. And it, it bounced off the corner right above my head, and then rolled and bounced off the corner by my wife's head, and rolled back on the wheels. And if you hit it from the top, the the doors would bend from top to bottom. Right, right. But the doors bent from front to back. Hmm. Like somebody was pushing them out at the middle. And so, you know, I don't know other than that the angel was in there with us getting quite a ride and holding, pushing the doors. <laughs> that's, a, that's a possibility because we know that we have heavenly beings that yeah. protect us every single day. So that is amazing. That is a miracle. And it landed back on the wheels. Every piece of metal was bent on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. 
and the rear axle was bent in so the the tire the back left tire was turned in at an angle and I looked around and everything seemed to be okay except for that and other than that it was all messed up <laughs> and so I got back in and started it up and drove mm-hmm. it home oh so you could still drive it it was it was totaled but I could still drive it home so we drove on home hmm. and then the got the insurance company to to deal with it to deal with it yeah hmm so wow what i can see is uh is god's hand as yeah. you said there was an angel that was protecting you and probably with our own imagination the angel <laughs> was spreading his hands holding the doors <laughs> yeah cuz they bent they bent in a in a way that is not expected yeah yeah Wow, that is amazing. Praise the Lord. So there are some people out there who believe in luck or who yeah. <laughs> also believe in coincidence. So what's your message considering all the events that have happened in your life and what you have seen? What would you like to tell them? Well, there's too many times for it to be coincidence. Mm-hmm. And the Lord says the angel, he says the angel of the Lord camps around about them that fear him and delivers them. Mm-hmm. And so all I can say is that Lord sent his angel to be with me through his li- through my life mm-hmm. and uh, use me as a tool to reach people for him. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So now you're retired. Mhm. What keeps you busy? <laughs> <laughs> When I first retired, I didn't want to just quit. Mhm. And so I told the conference I would do interim pastoring and I did that for three or four years. Then I I do a big garden and can and freeze and give away produce and I've remodeled our house and I've been building tables for the girls in the church here. I'm an elder and a greeter and teach the Sabbath school once in a while and sit on the on the board mm-hmm. and I'm one of the lead elders in the staff it all keeps me busy oh, wonderful <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's uh that's quite a list for a retired minister <laughs> well I'm not one to sit very long <laughs> <laughs> that's right it keeps you active and yeah. uh, it keeps you healthy as well so where do you live now you still live in uh here in Berrien Springs okay yeah. I was going to out of out of town out of town yeah Okay. What well, what led you to move to Bering Springs? Well, we had uh four girls in Michigan. Mm-hmm. Three of them in the St. Joe Bering area. Two kids in upstate New York and have two in California and so uh Bering was somewhere in between. Oh, okay. And I didn't want to be halfway in between because I don't like Wyoming. <laughs> I didn't want the sagebrush and the antelope. I I enjoy watching antelope, but okay. <laughs> and the the winters are too cold there. Right, right, right. But, uh that's what brought us here to Barren Springs, Michigan. Yep. Wonderful. Praise the Lord. We are blessed to have you here. Oh, thank your, you. It's good your, to be here. Yeah, in your ministry as well. So last words to our listeners. Trust your life to the Lord. Amen. And prepare to meet him. It it appears to me by the prophecies that the end is close. Mhm. Our world, our country is going crazy. 
and those are signs that Jesus coming is near. Amen. And so don't think that you've got a lot of years to get ready. Mm. Uh, commit your life to Jesus and let him have his way. When Jesus was here, he didn't say get ready. He said be ready. So we need to commit our lives to him and live for him each day. Then we're ready. And whatever he needs to do to have us ready for translation, he'll work with us and do it in us if we cooperate. Thank you for listening to Bob's story. I hope it has been an encouragement to you. Hey friends, just real quick, I just want to share with you a project that a group of young people have been working for a while now. It's a directory for Seventh-day Adventist resources. You know, there's some times where it's so cumbersome online to search this uh, word, this phrase. You, you want to find something that is related to Adventism and you cannot find it. But these young people, they have sat down and say, we have the solution to the problem. We're going to create a directory that has Seventh-day Adventist related ministries, whether it be businesses, schools, music, you name it. Anything that is run by Adventists, it's featured on this website. So it's just a one-stop directory where it's already categorized for you. The work is done for you. It cannot be that easy. It's just waiting for you to use it. The website address is adventhub.co. That's advent, A-D-V-E-N-T-H-U-B dot C-O adventhub.co. So visit it today. Don't wait. This is Michael Xarona, and you have been listening to Why I Am Here. For more episodes, please visit villagesda.org. We would like to thank Pastor Ron Kelly and his pastoral staff for making this show a reality. We would also like to thank Village Seventh-day Adventist Church in Bering Springs, Michigan for their support and sponsoring this show. If you would like your story to be featured on this show, please visit villagesda.org. If you have enjoyed this show, please remember to subscribe, review, and share with your friends. You can also listen to this show on your favorite podcast platform. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.